Hello, Lafayette, and welcome to episode three of the LPI podcast, where we talk about Lafayette schools, the LPI Education Foundation, and what your donation supports for our teachers and children. My name is Adam Welcome. I'm the host of this podcast for LPI and also a father of two children currently at Spring Hill Elementary. And thank you so much for tuning in. Today on the show, we are so excited. You all are in for a treat as we welcome Katherine Walton as our guest. Katherine started her teaching career in Oakland. She gives absolutely 150% every single day. She loves going on hikes, getting her nails done, and in 2018, she was named Akalani's Union High School District Teacher of the Year. And if I'm correct, her parents had a horse run the Kentucky Derby this year. Honor AP, is, is that right, Catherine? That is correct, Adam, yeah. Oh my gosh, there is just so much to unpack there. First off, Catherine, introduce yourself to everyone listening. Yeah, thanks, Adam, for that really um, kind and warm welcome. I'm happy to be here. Um, my name is Catherine. I have taught in the Aquilonius District since 2013. Um, I'm a special education teacher at heart. My mom was a special education teacher, and I love that population. Um, but this year, my role is a little bit different. I am teaching ethnic studies, which is a new course, and then I also um, do all the student activities at Aquilonius. I think this is my seventh year. Um, yeah, and I live in the community. I live in Walnut Creek. I have a two-year-old son and an awesome husband who allows me to really do this work. Um, and I just, I love the Bay Area. I'm originally from LA. Um, so I'm a giant Lakers fan, but I'm also happy to root on Bay Area teams. Um, yeah, and I, I really am fortunate to have the role that I do um, and do a lot of the culture, climate, equity work at Aquilani's. So briefly, the, the whole Kentucky Derby horse, yeah. I mean, your parents raise horses? Are they like, how does that even work? Yeah, so I always say um, there's not many times in life where you get to watch your parents pursue a dream. Mm -hmm. And my dad um, has always loved horses, grew up in the industry, um, has owned a horse since he bought his first horse when he was 17. And one of his dreams was to have a horse in the Kentucky Derby. And um, yeah, so being able to be a part of that and watching my dad um, just build relationships in the industry um, in order to sort of up his game with, he has an amazing trainer. And um, so it was such a great experience, obviously looked different um, given COVID, but also what's happening in Louisville around Brianna Taylor. Um, so that all played a part, but yeah, watching my parents do that. So, so great. Honor AP actually had to retire. So now he's a stallion um, out in Kentucky, he got injured after the race, but. He's got a bright future as a daddy. Well, again, so many, if you're listening, I think I said you're going to be in for a treat and there are just so many things to just unpack there. Your dad about having dreams and what an amazing analogy for now, Catherine, you know, you've been a teacher for how many years and helping kids chase their dreams, the ethnic study class that we're going to talk about and Brianna Taylor. I'm so glad you brought that up. I mean, we're recording this podcast on September 28th and it's just, there's so much happening right now. And it's, 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 I think as a teacher, such a rich time, because there's so many things to talk about, many of them 
unfortunate, but also such healthy things to talk about that we as a society across this country just need to have conversations about. We just need to have these conversations. And I think that just leads into my first question. What are the kids learning in ethnic studies? Why is this class so important? And I think there's two ways to go with that. So you go with how you want. Why is the class important anytime, but why is it important right now in 2020? Yeah. So I just want to give a little bit of context about the class because I actually think it informs how I go about teaching it. The class has been um, always a topic that kids have been asking for since I've been in the district. And there's a district diversity committee meeting. Um, and, the, and the number one thing that students have really been asking for is a change in curriculum that feels more inclusive. And also, I want to learn about myself. I want an ethnic studies. And so I'm really proud that the district um, approved the course and now it's being offered at three of the four high schools um, in our district. And the way I really think about it is it's an anti-racist class. Um, and so I, I, the number one priority for me would be I want their voices heard. I want their stories told. I want them to see themselves in the curriculum that's presented. And I want to make sure that their voices are driving the class just as much as, as mine is as, as a teacher, but also as a, as a white female teacher. Um, and so, so we started looking at identity. Um, we do a lot, lot of mindful inquiry as a way to listen to understand others. Um, we just finished our unit on identity where they're writing their own racial autobiography, which is super powerful. Um, I cannot wait to hear them speak it into the spaces. We'll take a look at immigration and migration and the American dream. We'll look at civil rights um, and a lot of what's happening today and, and that comparison between civil rights and today. Um, and then it ends with an action research project where students are going to pick a topic, something that's important to them, and then they're going to take it into their community, which is an important element of ethnic studies of questioning the master narrative, um, questioning where knowledge came from, and then also looking at like, how do you bring the community in? How do you bring community voices in? But then also, how do you impact your own community? And I think the challenge is it's only an introduction class. It's only a semester. Um, it could be a whole year. We aren't going to uncover everything. But what I always say to the students is I hope that every time we meet, it, it kind of perks your brain to say, well, what else is out there? What's my next step to learn more or to uncover? Um, and then I hope they continue that throughout high school, college, and even beyond, because this is just the start of their journey. Um, and so I'm really, yeah, I feel really grateful. The class is such a treat um, to teach. The kids are, there's 28 of them and they are incredible. Yeah. And I'm also just noting that I'm co-building the curriculum with um, Ryan Boyd at Campolindo and Marlene Miranda at Las Lomas. And they're both amazing, amazing educators as well. I was going to ask, I figured there was some collaboration going on between the schools. Now, something that was new to me, I think all of us, um, you know, you said you're a white female, I'm a white male. Um, I'm always learning. And I would say, especially in 2020, when, when George Floyd got murdered, the term anti-racist was new to me. And I would, I'm curious, it was people would say, or I would say, I'm not racist. And then it was actually taking it a step further, being that much more proactive, saying, no, no, I'm anti-racist. And I did so much research and reading. 
during that time, just after George, George Floyd uh, passed away, how are your, your students reacting or also unpacking that? I know I, I can think back to myself as a high school student. I grew, grew up in Martinez. I went to Alhambra very close to here. We weren't having those conversations. It was, it was the 90s. How are kids reacting and how are like what what are the conversations coming out of those conversations? Yeah. Great question. I um I think that it's easy to think that our students aren't in tune with what's happening around them. And I actually think that they're just not always given the opportunity to voice what they're thinking, feeling believing. And so ethnic studies kind of gives them this platform to be able to unpack a lot of that. Um, and I try really hard not to make it political, um, because to me, it isn't political. It's about human life, what is happening in our country. Um, but that's how we start class every day, talking about a current event or, um, or we also talk about the land that we live on and talking about indigenous people and where that came from, which I think is also relevant of like who's forgotten in our narrative. I think the kids really, they, they just want more. I think that some of the white students in my class have been able to really begin to unpack their own privilege of what that looks like. And maybe they hadn't fully been able to start that journey. Um, I think that our students of color what they've shared with me is that they feel more um, included and validated just by having space to dialogue about it and, and knowing that it's important that people are engaged in the course, right? So when you, when you log into my Zoom and you see 28 kids taking an anti-racist ethnic studies class, like that's progress right there. And I think um, the students of color in the class feel that when they have opportunities to listen and understand and engage. I wish that it was more campus-wide. Um, I mean, we started that with some racial equity lessons campus-wide. We just concluded our fifth one, which is awesome. And our parents have really done a great job at creating some diversity inclusion committees. But I think that, I think that students really need time to be able to dialogue and unpack what's happening, both in our local community, right? I mean, we're not immune to it, um, but then it stems nationwide and it hasn't stopped, right? So I feel like every time you listen to the news, there's yet another um, incident. The conversations are still happening, thankfully. And something you said about going more campus-wide, I live just behind, just behind Akalani, so we go by Akalani's High School multiple times a day, and I just have to give the administration credit for the Black Lives Matter banner that's up at the track and for the marquee, all the different sayings, enough is enough, and just the different, which my wife and I would have conversations. I remember we said, go Akalani's. And I can't speak for the other high schools in the district just because I don't live near them. But I would say, go Catherine for being a catalyst of starting that conversation. And I know so many conversations happen at homes, over dinner, in the backyard, at sports. And hopefully there's a component of that. And one question I have is, I want to sit in on your class because I want to learn. I have a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. What resources do you have or could you recommend or a book that maybe you could recommend, maybe not just for students, but also for all the parents that are listening to this podcast that live in Lafayette, that either have a child at the elementary school, the middle school, or Akalani's, 
that is supported by LPI that we can just extend our learning? Do you have any resources or books that, that you could recommend, Catherine? Yeah, I love that question. There is so much out there. Um, we just finished a book club, actually, that our parents um, sponsored on Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist, which is a very challenging read um, that I would highly recommend. I know over summer I read White Fragility. Um, in my ethnic studies class, we're just starting Stamped, which is another Kendi book um, that takes a look at our history, our 400-year history, and maybe flips what you've learned about, but also maybe what the truth is and unpacking that. I also would recommend um, even just following along on the Akalani's Parents Club has a diversity, equity, inclusion committee, and they're doing some nighttime programming. They also are in the midst of a um, 21, I don't, a 21 day challenge. It might be a 21 week challenge where they're giving a podcast episode to listen to every week or an article to read. I ran a 21 day challenge at Akalani's in May and here was always my sentiment. Do something every day related to equity for yourself. It's no one else's job to educate like your, um, where you are in your journey. So do something every day and then dialogue about it with someone in your life as a way to move the work forward and then set a goal for yourself. So one of my goals on that um, equity challenge was how do I infuse this conversation into my own family who grew up in a very different way. I would say I grew up colorblind um, in Arcadia. And it wasn't until I was 23 that I really started to unpack that for myself. And so now I've really owned, how do I have dialogues with my mom, dad, brother, sister, nieces, nephews, and my own son and husband as a way to bring that professional world into my own personal life. So there's, there's um, like Seeing White is a podcast that's amazing. Code Switch is another one. Pick one and stick to it and do something every single day related to it. We are going to drop all of those resources in the show notes. Catherine was just dropping so many resources and so much knowledge. I'm taking notes. Uh, we also have Jennifer Martell from LPI on the call. I know she is vigorously taking notes. And Jennifer, we have you here. And um, every podcast, uh, this is the LPI podcast. We always love to have someone from LPI come in because part of the reason why we are able to actually have Catherine, um, I think it's two periods that LPI uh, supports, is to work on equity and school culture and climate and so many of those things just cross-pollinate the work that Catherine is doing in other classes that she teaches. So Jennifer, why is this a priority? for LPI, and I think we should, we should hear it from you all, the people that are making these decisions that are supporting these teachers that, that in turn are supporting our students. I, I think the reason that um, this is so important to LPI is because it's so important to our parents. We have gotten, especially after George Floyd um, was murdered this summer, we've gotten a bunch of questions that, um, you know, what is LPI doing in and around DEI? Um, and there's several things and this, particular class happens to be one of them. And we're super proud to support it because it's important It's important to our kids. We're trying to prepare our kids for their future and you cannot be prepared if you, um, if you just turned a blind eye um, to um, uh, everything that's going on in the world. Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more. And I just wanna say again, Jennifer Elpi, on behalf of Elpi, thank you for supporting uh, these types of programs. I know Catherine is one 
of many uh, different teachers and different uh, curriculum that, that are supported. And I think, I think a place to start, I am not an expert. I think a place to start is, you know, is what I said, and then Jennifer, you reiterated, just saying, just maybe saying that George Floyd was murdered, not that when George Floyd died. I know because Catherine, hearing you speak about where do you start, and you said not until your 20s, and you know, you're from LA, you're, you know, you're from California, I'm from here, and I was talking to a friend in Minnesota, northern Minnesota, there's not a lot of diversity in northern Minnesota, and I said, you know, how did you start kind of this journey? And he said, Adam, I just started. I just decided, to your point, Catherine, every day, or if once a week is, is comfortable and what you can attain for now, it's just, it's moving forward. It's, it's, it's not just staying where you are. It's looking left, it's looking right, and it's asking questions. And I've, I've done that on my own. I would say another great resource is Emmanuel Acho. He was a professional football player and he started a YouTube channel called uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And it is such an awesome resource. He has, he has Matthew McConaughey on there talking about just questions. He had those people from Texas, uh, Magnolia, uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines and all of their kids on there. He actually is writing a book with Oprah about it. And we watched those videos and we'll put the link in the show notes with my kids. And we had a conversation because I didn't know where to, how to start a conversation. So leading to that, I'm going to throw you a big softball question, Catherine. What do you think kids need today? Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Um, yeah, I think number one, they need people in their corner. They need people that they can, whether it's parents or friends or staff members or teachers or coaches, they need people that support them who love on them, who listen to them, um, who help guide them, mentor them. And they need to know that those people exist. And sometimes I'm guilty of thinking, oh, well, they know that. But then I think, well, when's the last time I told them? And um, so making it a point to say, I'm always here. I'm always here. Just reach out. And then also reaching out directly. So that's number one. I also think um, they need connections with people their own age and distance learning and COVID has thrown a total wrench into that. Um, but I think in the age of social media and technology, it can feel really isolating normally. And then you're given that you're staring at a computer all day and it feels even more isolating. And so finding ways for our students today to connect with one another, um, I think is really important. And given this lens of hope that this is temporary, um, that it is not permanent, that a lot of things in, will be temporary in your own life, but then finding what are those permanent things that you have, right? So family, friends, your future, whatever it might be, and focusing in on those permanent things, um, I think is really, really important. And I also just think they need a well-rounded curriculum that they can see their own selves in, they can see their future in, they can pursue their passions, which is also why I'm super grateful for LPI because they they provide a lot of that at Akalani's. Um, and then they can move forward, right? And not everything is focused on college, but things are focused on their own passions, how they pursue them, and then how they create a career out of that and a life for themselves, I think is so important because sometimes I just think we're so grade oriented and I absolutely know that grades matter, but I also think that students need to know that there's more out there than just what they see on their transcript. And 
maybe that's a product of how I kind of cruised through high school. I saw the athletic field, like that was what got me through. Um, and I didn't always see myself in class as a scholar, but I always knew that I would find myself somewhere. And here I am. I knew I liked you, Catherine, because I didn't really go to class a lot in high school. So sports for me as well were, were a, a great avenue. And uh, I've learned a lot. If we could all go back, I know we would make we would make changes. Now, I am a parent of an elementary school teacher, and I want you as my teacher. And you, you mentioned, Catherine, uh, the diversity awareness groups that have been formed. Now, I can say, I can speak for Spring Hill. Uh, I'm on the board. I'm the legislative rep for Spring Hill Elementary, but I do know that every school in the district has now they're working on that diversity awareness and if you are not aware send an email to your pfc president send an email to your principal at your school whatever elementary school or stanley or Aklani's, if you just are not in the know because these conversations are happening i know because the conversation does look different for a high schooler as it does for a child in tk or in third grade but mm -hmm. those conversations uh can happen and i think that i was thinking about that and you said that you have a two-year-old. Now, what is it like having a young child at home and then teaching and leading and inspiring big kids at work every day? And I know I became a better teacher when my daughter was born because it made it that much more personal. So just how has that impacted you and your work and the importance or the urgency or just whatever? Yeah, yeah, great question. Um... My son's name is Wyatt and yeah, he's, he's so much fun, but I think having him and bringing him um, into the world has also put a lens on like, well, what do I want his schooling experience to look like? What, how do, do I want him to be able to dialogue in kindergarten, fifth grade, high school? Um, and I go back to like, well, what do I bring to the classroom for my current students? Um, how do I connect with parents in the community? Because that's how I would want to connect when Wyatt is in high school. Um, and if we're looking just at from an equity kind of standpoint, one of the, the things that my husband and I committed to, or we actually committed to two things, looking at our library of books in our own home and seeing um, who wrote them, but also what's in the book and how do we diversify what we're reading out to him. And so that was a big project this summer. That was great. Also taking a look at his toys, like who are the drivers in the cars that he plays with? Who are the dolls that we have around? Um, and then also taking him to protests around Walnut Creek and in Lafayette, just as a way to start to expose him. And I hope that those are, those two things multiply to be four as he gets older or six. Um, and then the other thing that I, I, I just think about um, is kind of what I shared around what kids need in terms of what do I want Wyatt's schooling experience to look like? I think um, Lafayette schools provide such a wonderful education for kids. And I'm really, I'm really pleased to see that all of the parents groups have formed these individualized committees around diversity, equity, inclusion, um, because I do think that there's value in having kind of what I call these affinity spaces to connect with other parents of kindergartners to say, yeah, what are those resources that you're looking at at home? Or maybe why should I or shouldn't I show Aladdin in my own home? Like what are some of the underlying equity issues that exist in some of the Disney films? Um, I think that there's a lot of power in that. And I think it also just helps your own journey or my own journey as a parent and then also as an educator. 
100%. And I would just drop in a couple more resources. You mentioned Ibram Kendi, who's written some amazing books. He also just came out with a brand new book called Anti-Racist Baby, which is absolutely amazing. So even at two years old, as your son Wyatt is learning how to talk, and even if kids are one years old, you know, we all know if you're a parent, they're sponges, they hear, they listen, they interpret, and they're forming these ideas and these perceptions in their brain. Another great resource is Common Sense Media. I think they are the gold standard for just kind of anything media-based. They're a nonprofit out of San Francisco. They do tons of stuff. They rate uh, books and games and, 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 uh, and movies, but really their, their reading lists, I would say, are really just kind of, uh, kind of second to none. So Catherine, just to kind of wrap up this podcast, I could listen and talk to you all day long. We are definitely going to have you back on the podcast for another episode. I'm sure we're going to get questions and emails and just clarification and resources. With that being said, you have the microphone right now, Catherine Walton. If you had every parent in La Mirinda, we're going to include Lafayette, Moraga, and Arinda, just because of the collaborative work that you're doing with Campo and Miramani. What would you say to the parents of La Mirinda around this topic of ethnic studies and anti-racism and everything in between? Mm. Okay, well, here's what I would say. Um, one, do the work with yourself first and think about your own racial journey, um, your own racial narrative, and think about what you need and then start to fill that. Second, start to have conversations in your own household and take it outwards, right? So your kids want to dialogue about this. That is like 100% clear. They want to learn more. They want to have opportunity. And they just don't know where to start. And they don't always even know if, it, if they can talk to you about it. Um, so create that space, even if it's just one question, like once a week, right? Third, I would say um, encourage them to sign up for ethnic studies. It's not required yet. It will be required down the road. Our district is ahead. Um, supplement their curriculum, supplement what they're reading, take a look at even the magazines they're reading or the podcasts that they're listening to and start to diversify that. Encourage them to go to club events. Some of our equity clubs are doing some amazing programming. Let's tap them into the conversation. Um, let's get engaged ourselves with the conversation and the conversation never ends. And this is something that, um, my principal always says so eloquently, but if you're comfortable talking about race, you're probably not doing the work as well as you could be. So let's get uncomfortable talking about race and let's really lean in. And a lot of that is just self-reflection and accountability. Um, and I know I have my accountability partners, so find yours. Um, but let's get your yourself tuned in. Let's get your students tuned in. And I'm always happy to dialogue. I'm also happy to um, hear your feedback and other resources. So come my way. So I think to quote Travis, your principal, a similar comment would be, there is no growth in the comfort zone and it's time to get uncomfortable. And it's kind of like working out or going to the gym. You can't just do it once. You got to continue to do something every day. You know, an idea, whoever is listening, I know my kids at Spring Hill have gone over to Akalani's every year for the last number to do uh, Special Olympics with mm -hmm. the high school students. And they have had such an amazing time doing that some type of collaboration with you, Catherine, and your students being interns, 
uh, and being just strategizing with the kids at Stanley and with all the kids in the elementary school. Cause I know my own two children don't always listen to my wife and I, <laughs> oftentimes they're going to listen to their coach or the neighbor or Mrs. Walton or a student at Akalani's. Mm. Uh, on behalf of Elpi and on behalf of just myself as a parent in Lafayette, Catherine, thank you so much. You are a gift to the school district and to the people of Lafayette. And uh, we are going to have you back on this podcast. So mm -hmm. mark your calendar, my friend, and we will continue the conversation again soon. Thank you everyone for listening. Please subscribe. Please tell your friends, please leave a rating, please share it on Facebook and Instagram or Twitter or your email list or tell your next door neighbor how to listen to the podcast. We are on Google Play, we're on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify, we are on Stitcher, we are on Anchor, and we are also on the LPI YouTube channel if that is where you consume content. Thank you so much and have an absolutely amazing day. Now for a special message from LPI Executive Director Beth Goldberg. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to the LPI podcast series. We hope you are enjoying the conversations and learning about the impact of your donations to LPI. If you want to hear more, please subscribe. We will continue to roll out conversations with experts in our community so you can hear firsthand how our students are benefiting from your support. Without an education foundation in Lafayette, we would lose incredible programming that expands opportunities for our students. So please visit lpi.org and donate an amount that is meaningful to you. If you have questions or hot topics you'd like us to talk about, contact LPI at office at lpi.org. Thank you and stay tuned for the next podcast.